0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell and show up exactly the way you want to. Customize your online store to your style. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash NPR.
1: From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, It's NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg.
2: So, we have four brilliant contestants on our show. They are backstage right now. They're talking. They're trying to decide whether they should declare a national trivia emergency (laughs) or not. And they'll be up here playing some games, and one of them will be our big winner. What a great show! Our guest is comedian, writer, actor Jim Gaffigan. Jim, uh, Jim's recent comedy album was nominated for a Grammy. He has performed for The Pope. He's got three movies coming out. He's like the dad we all aspire to be, basically. <laughs> as, you know what? I appreciate him. As a, as a mom, I appreciate him. I appreciate the fact that he's super open about the fact that he has bad eating habits. I do like that. His first book was titled, Dad is Fat. <laughs> And you know what? Everyone loves a chubby dad. Everyone. Chubby dad is happy. Chubby dad is fun. On the other hand, chubby mom? No, she's let herself go. Yeah, she's eating her feelings, right? Then there's skinny mom. Nobody likes a skinny mom. Oh, we judge a skinny mom. Oh, she's trying too hard. Yeah. (laughs) There's a reason why chubby hubby is an ice cream flavor. Sounds like a good time. Skinny Mom, I think, is a low carb Chardonnay that tastes like disappointment and yoga. Mmm, Warrior One. Jim lives in New York City, in a New York City apartment with his wife and five children, which I believe is legally an orphanage. We all get down on the city. What's your current pet peeve of the city? Oh, you name it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is a hard city to live in. It I, makes I, everything I, very difficult. I agree. Really, we, for me, the main thing is parking, because we have a car. Mm-hmm. And so I'm eternally moving it from one side of the street to the other. and yes. Waiting for other people to move there so that there's space for me to move mine. And everybody knows you're supposed to move your car now, but you don't. You ruin it for everybody. It's a very it's a very frustrating... And do
2: you do that dance where you're all in your cars, like just move like slightly to the middle of the street waiting for the rules to change so you can move back?
1: Totally, totally.
2: Uh, I don't have a car, so I take the subway. And I often have to remind myself that the city is cool because people from all over the planet, all with different, diverse, interesting stories, come here for the chance to have their hair brush against my neck for our entire subway ride. So great. It's Women's History Month. So I'd appreciate if uh, everyone here starts studying women's history. We have a trivia show, and we'd like to ask some questions on the show that aren't just about Florence Nightingale and Marie Curry. <laughs> we need some other women. You guys, we're gonna have a great time. Let's play some games! Our first two contestants will play a game about animals named for celebrities like seal. Let's meet them. First up, Katie Rogers. You recently started your own business as a customer experience consultant. Yeah.
3: Wow.
0: Nice.
2: Yeah. Uh, What made you decide to start your own business?
0: Um, I saw that there was a lot of need for better customer service just across the board. Yeah. Um, No
4: kidding. Yeah.
3: So I'm sort of a Mary Poppins of customer service. I just sort of flowed in
4: sort of fix things and then I just you know okay you guys are good I'm gonna go float to the next to the next company and
2: what what's like the like number one thing you're just telling them right off the bat that maybe people are going oh huh we didn't uh, do that l- listen to your team and to your customers <laughs> it's, it seems pretty obvious but it's really not <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay Yeah. Katie when you ring in we'll hear this your opponent is Charlie Rubinovitz you're an executive assistant at the Atlantic cool cool now you say that executive assistants are the unsung heroes. Why is that?
0: Ah, uh, because we never get any credit for all the things that we do. Um. Oh my God, I'm so sorry if you're listening. Um.
2: <laughs> I, I'm not sorry. How about some credit? No, no, no. She's great. She's an amazing
0: boss, and I'm really not just saying that.
2: Don't worry. We will not air his name at all. It will just say blah blah beep.
0: Great. Yeah, <laughs> Perfect, that's really right? really good.
2: Yeah. Charlie, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Katie and Charlie, whoever has more points after two games will go on to our final round. This is a guessing game called Big Time Binomials. When a scientist discovers a new species, they can call it whatever they want. And sometimes scientists decide to name animals after celebrities.
1: We will give you the scientific name of a living organism named after a celebrity, and you tell us if it's real or something we made up. Just bring in the answer, but be careful. If you're wrong, your opponent gets the point. Here we go.
2: The Aleodes shakiri wasp is named after Shakira. The female of the species injects its eggs into caterpillars, which then die as the egg hatches. As the caterpillar dies, it twists and bends, which reminded scientists of Shakira's dance moves. Real or fake? Katie. Real. Yeah, that's Real. Wouldn't that be nice to work your whole career and then someone sees an insect writhing to death and thinks? (laughs) Oh,
1: that reminds me (laughs) of somebody. (laughs) The Jagger Merrick's Nyad is named after Mick Jagger. It's a prehistoric animal described as a cross between a long legged pig and a slender hippo with supersized lips. Real or fake? Charlie. Real. That is absolutely real.
2: The Tetradom Tom Brady is a species of pufferfish discovered in Chesapeake Bay in 2016. It was named after Tom Brady because the pufferfish is known for deflating so slowly that it's almost imperceptible to the human eye. Real or fake? Katie. I think it's fake. You think correct. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
1: The Scaptia beyoncei, a rare species of horsefly found in Queensland, Australia, was named after the singer Beyoncé. The scientist described it as the all-time diva of flies. Real or fake? Charlie. Fake? I'm sorry, that is real.
2: I know. Scientists need to get out more. (laughs) A khaki-colored snail native to Queensland, Australia, reminded researchers of the naturalist Steve Irwin... So they named it Crikey Steve Irwin Eye. Real or fake? Katie. I'm going to go with fake. That's real. I know, I know. It's a khaki-colored snail named after Steve Irwin.
1: All right, this is your last clue. A botanist who discovered a miniature version of the infamously foul-smelling corpse lily said the fleshy petals reminded her of Lady Gaga's meat dress. (laughs) So she named it Rafflesia Gaga. Real or fake? Charlie. Real. No, that's fake.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a good idea, but it's fake. <laughs> all right, well
2: done, both of you. Currently, Katie is in the lead. Our next game is about New York City landmarks, and you have to answer quickly before they all turn into a Whole Foods with a soul cycle in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's check in with our contestants. Katie, what is your favorite place to cry in New York City?
0: Uh, I prefer a, a Starbucks bathroom. Yeah, I know. Because there's one on every corner. Sure. And so if you're in between, like, job interviews or breakups
4: or whatever, then you can just go in, do your cry, compose yourself, then you can go on your way.
3: I mean,
2: most of those bathrooms just make you want to cry anyways. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, there's at least inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Charlie, what's your favorite place to cry in New York City? Probably, like, Bed Bath &
0: Beyond. Sure.
2: (laughs) Great idea. Great idea. You could, like, put your face into yeah, soft Yeah, I was going to say,
0: like, if it gets really bad, I can, like, swaddle myself in the and... linens. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, so one of our producers bravely ventured into Manhattan to produce this audio quiz. We found real people at famous New York City locations and then asked them to describe where they were. Uh, this game is worth double points. Katie, stay in the lead, and you go to the final round. Charlie, you need to get more points, or you have to move to
3: Queens.
2: (laughs) I know. Okay, here we go. Our first clip features Amber McCulloch from Chicago.
3: I am currently overwhelmed by advertising colorful bright lights and characters from animated films and um, cartoons. And they're all just waiting for other people to take pictures with them I don't know, it's quintessential New York
2: Charlie Times Square You got it
1: <laughs> Quintessential New York mm-hmm.
2: It's quintessential for every New Yorker to hate Times Square, I believe yeah.
1: All these people, get out of here, you people
2: <laughs> We traveled to 33rd Street and went indoors for this next
1: clip I'm Miriam Salzman and I'm from New York There's people waiting, waiting for trains, walking, eating. I think Grand Central smells a bit nicer, maybe a a little bit cleaner, a little bit prettier. I would probably not come here if I didn't have to.
4: (laughs) Charlie. Penn Station?
2: Oh, yeah, Penn Station. (laughs) Name this outdoor location.
1: I'm Andrew Veal from England. I'm here on holiday. It's very narrow, very narrow place. You're a little bit off the ground. It's a nice long walk. You're surrounded by beautiful plants, a sort of restful place to be. Charlie. The High Line. You're right, yeah.
2: This is your last clue. Alexander Weber from Belgium may know more about this building than most New Yorkers do.
1: We are in uh, at the bottom of a big building. Who is uh, very famous in New York? And it was built in nineteen thirty. Completed in nineteen thirty-one. The architecture is very nice. It's uh, Art Deco.
2: Katie, the Empire State Building. You're right. Yes. Well done. All right. Great game. And after two games, it looks like Charlie has come out the winner and is moving on to our final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Charlie in our final round. And I'll talk to Jim Gaffigan, who recently had his fourth Grammy nomination without a win. He's the Amy Adams of comedy. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR.
5: This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in the day, how would you use it? BetterHelp Online Therapy can help you figure out what's most important to you, so you can prioritize it. Learn to make time for what makes you happy. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Visit BetterHelp.com NPR today to get 10% off your first month.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from Betterment, an automated investing and savings app. CEO Sarah Levy shares why Betterment believes cash can be a strategic choice. There are times when the market is volatile when
3: customers are a little nervous about investing. We came to understand that there was an opportunity to introduce cash
0: as part of an investing strategy and to give back yields to the customer. Learn more about high yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed, cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank.
1: This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here is your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks,
2: Jonathan. It's time to welcome our special guest. He's a comedian, actor, writer, and his last comedy album, Noble Ape, was nominated for a Grammy Award. Please welcome Jim Gaffigan.
5: Thank you. Thank you so much. You were on the show
2: in 2015.
5: Yes, I remember. With
2: your wife, Jeannie. Yes. Uh, and you, a lot of things have changed for you because you've done so many things in that <laughs> time, including that you are going to uh, record the very first comedy special
5: for Amazon coming up. I am. I am. That's okay. Right. See how much? Yes.
2: And your wife, Jeannie, is directing and executive producing yes. your special. So you guys have worked together through your entire career uh, and relationship. Yes.
5: Uh, how has it evolved over the years? I've become more and more frightened of her.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's shifted so much because, uh, you know, we've been married for 15 years. I think it's 18 years we've been together. And the relationship has changed. You know, you're a comedian initially you know when people pitch you ideas you're like very polite you're like that's neat thank you for that that's not at all what i'm doing so i was i was very resistant to it but Ooh. now it's full on uh codependency i would say <laughs> but it changes you know it's it's the availability of you know when we were first dating we'd get a bottle of wine we'd sit back and we'd write it's like now that doesn't happen now she sends me emails Of, like, comments when she sees a show. And sometimes I read them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... Her insight's invaluable, you know, having that... (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't listen to the radio anyway.
2: So, in uh, 2015, you were asked to open... For the Pope. Pope yeah. Francis at the Festival yes. of Families in Philadelphia. How does that caller email come in?
5: Well, you, it, uh, my manager was called, and I thought it was a joke. Yeah. So, like, I thought that time was going to pass, and they're going to be like, well, obviously, we're not going to have a comedian <laughs> perform before the Pope goes on. Yeah. <laughs> And at one point I had shows in Atlantic City and all the organizers were from Philly and they came and I'm like, right, they're going to come and they're going to see, this is not a good idea. (laughs) This guy talks about baloney for 10 minutes.
2: It's also so funny that they're scouting you in Atlantic City.
5: (laughs) And then like the religious leader of the world of Catholics will come on. It was, but it was, it was fascinating because it's also you know as a comedian you know this there are certain situations that you're not going to succeed in you're just not there's no scenario where comedians opening for the Pope and people are like that's what we wanted." you know what I mean
4: when we imagine this (laughs) you know what I mean like there's
5: there's no scenario where people are like you know what I like the Pope but the guy that went on before was better you know what I mean that never that never happens there's just people that are going to be like, he was inappropriate. And then there's people, like, he was safe. You know, it's like, and I was in Philadelphia, which they just generally just like to eat people.
2: <laughs>
5: so, so it was, but I knew that going into it. It made me realize that the northeastern part of the United States is is why this, are this country that's independent of the of England is because there are people in the Northeast that just like to fight. Yes. (laughs) Right. I mean, that is just the whole Acela line from (laughs) DC to Boston. I call it the corridor of hate. It's just, it's not necessarily violent, but (laughs) it's pretty close (laughs) to it. You know, but you go to Virginia, people are kind of thoughtful, introspective, (laughs) Baltimore? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Not at all.
2: Uh, So in your latest comedy album, Noble Ape, congratulations on the Grammy nomination, by the way. Uh, Worthy of the nomination, of course, and the material is very autobiographical, including you go pretty deep because you talk about your wife's Dealing with a brain tumor, she yes, had. Yeah. Uh, she had it removed. Yes. But that was They're, obviously you don't get to keep it. <laughs> no, you don't get. To, they don't <laughs> give it back to you. Here you go. Uh, but I'm sure that was a very traumatic thing that happened in your lives. Oh yeah. And you know when you're doing material like that that is so intense and personal and your wife is involved with your comedy how did that come together where you both agreed that this was worthy to talk about on stage
5: i was not of the opinion i was like i don't want to bring this up i mean some of it is i'm superstitious and you know she had this brain tumor the size of a pair removed from her head and she was like one of the things she she came out of that and she was like i do want people to know that they can go through this and survive. Because immediately when she found out, she was on the internet looking for examples of people making it through brain tumors. So that propelled her to encourage us to kind of do some material on it. And also, some of it is as comedians, and you know this, it's like how you deal with situations is to write jokes about them. And what I found was was so fascinating is, you know, maybe someone doesn't have a spouse that's had a brain tumor, but... Everyone has spent those two weeks in a hospital. So when I started doing the material, it was very, it was amazing how it connected with people. Oh, yeah, and
2: dealing with the medical community, like that disconnect and connect.
5: You know, we live in such a connected age, you know, it almost was weird if I didn't bring it up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had to bring it up at the beginning of the show because if I didn't, people would be like, Is he going to talk about the fact his wife had a brain tumor?
1: Right, it would be the elephant so, in the
5: room. Yes. So it was pretty fascinating. You know, I'll run into people in airports and they'll be like, You know, I prayed for your wife. And I'm like, Well, thank you. You know, but it's, it's strange because you don't realize how we're all connected. And that's why I'm running for president. <laughs> <laughs> that's right college tuition. <laughs> uh,
2: and now you have three films that are coming out. Yes. Uh, you were just at Sundance. They had their world premiere. Yes. Uh, the roles are pretty meaty, dramatic roles.
5: Yeah, so fun.
2: So, yeah, this is so fun.
5: It is. It's amazing. I mean, I've always, I've always done acting. I just have never gotten roles. You know? Uh, so it's, people will ask, they're like, so why this shift into these dramatic roles? I'm like, because now they started to hire me. Uh, so it's, there are different roles and there are different lengths of beard and all of that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of beard acting. No, but they're like, I, you see, you do things and you forget, but my beard in Them That Follow was out to here Like, it's, it's pretty impressive.
2: That's awesome. Uh, we, I'm looking forward to seeing all of them. But right now, I'm wondering, would you like to play an Ask yes. Me Another Game? All yes. right. Yes. So, Jim, we were inspired uh, by one of your three movies at Sundance, Troop Zero, because you play the dad of a girl who dreams of having her voice recorded for the Golden Voyager record. Uh, NASA launched the Voyager record into space in 1977, and it contained music and sound and images meant to depict life on Earth. So I'm going to describe something, and you're going to tell me, is it really on the Voyager record, or did we just make it up? Ah! And if you do well enough, listener Kelly Degaring from Arvada, Colorado, will win and Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. All right. A photo of a man biting into a sandwich that already has a bite taken out of the opposite side, and a woman licking an ice cream cone is that on the Voyager record? Uh I thought it was all audio. No, it's images. Yeah, it's images as well that uh oh. yeah,
5: mm-hmm. I'm gonna say no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna say no. It is on it. I know yes. it. Yes. I know it. It's, I knew it's it. to
2: demonstrate eating.
5: Oh. There you go. Yeah.
2: I like that it's like a guy eating a sandwich and a woman licking an ice cream. Uh, why was
5: there a bite on the other side of it? <laughs> The aliens are going to be like, what kind of weird people eat both sides? It's like they eat a bite of the hot dog and then they switch to the other side. That's
4: a good idea. Save the best bite for last.
5: No wonder the aliens haven't come. They're like, oh, these people are annoying.
2: Uh, In case aliens want to know what kind of sound keeps us up at night, there's an eight-second clip of a faucet dripping. Is that on the Voyager record? I'm gonna say no. You're correct. It is not. It
5: is, is not. You're welcome, Kelly.
2: Uh, if aliens ever land here and need to tell the difference between a wild dog and a domesticated dog, good news: recordings of both are included. Is that on the Voyager record? That that could
5: be on there, but like, I don't know if like what. Uh, how do you know a wild dog versus a domesticated dog? Like, one dog's like, I live in a house. <laughs> You I mean? Ruff, ruff, ruff. I, I, I am outside! <laughs> I'm not domesticated! Don't they bark the same either way?
2: Uh, I do think the domesticated dog sounds relaxed. They do? I think so. They're like,
5: ruff, ruff. Yeah, that... Ruff, ruff. There's at least going
2: to be a bowl of water. Ruff. So what do you think? Is it on the record?
5: Sure, why not? Yeah, you're right. It is.
2: It is on the record. All right, this is your last clue. A okay. photo of a woman in a fruit aisle of the supermarket, guiltily staring at the camera while
5: eating a single grape. Guiltily? Mm hmm. I didn't even know that was a word. <laughs> we'll find
2: out from our Gu- listeners. Why if is it's she not. guiltily
5: eating a grape? Oh, because she's eating it in the grocery store. I guess so, yeah. She's stealing. I think it's. Uh, I, I. Yeah. No. Yes. I'm good at this. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. Be, yes.
2: It is on the album. Oh, You're no. right.
5: How did I know? You know. <laughs> you oh. know what's amazing is I didn't hesitate. I just answered. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're decisive like that.
2: Congratulations, Jim. You and Kelly DeGaring. One asked me, another Thank you. you. Jim will be joining us for another game later in the show. Jim Gaffigan, everybody! Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our next game is middle school themed, and who knew doing a book report without reading the book would prepare me for a bright future in book clubs? (laughs) Let's meet our contestants. First up, Allison Cave. You own a combination bar and bakery. So cool. Yes. Okay, so how did you get into the uh,
3: bakery bar business? Well, I was a baker and a bartender. You were a baker and a bartender? Yeah. I was, you know, you can't really make a lot of money baking pies, so you also have to bartend. Sure. So, yeah, that's sort of how the concept came about. And is it 50-50? We don't like to do really formal pairings. It's much more casual, so some people come and, you I, know... I
2: love that you went for, we don't like to do formal
3: pairings. Like <laughs> I, yeah, I wasn't even going there, and I was like, but you should! <laughs> I mean, you can have whatever you want is the idea. So you can come and just get a piece of cake, come and just have a cocktail. We have regulars who just come every week and get a slice of our birthday cake or a beer or whatever, so. Fantastic. I love it.
2: (laughs) Allison, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Your opponent is Joel Kotler. You work for an ad tech startup, and you're currently taking care of a bonsai.
4: Yes. (laughs) All right. That's true.
2: Joel. (laughs) Bonsais are tough. You're telling me.
4: Yeah, okay.
2: <laughs> I love plants, but I'm a little intimidated by the bonsai. How, what made you decide to get into the bonsai
4: sure. garden? Yeah, so I recently got into gardening, Yeah. just in general. And it's yeah. been going great. Great. Uh, and then I was at the Brooklyn Botanical Garden, and uh, they have those amazing bonsais, yes. and they're like 100 or 200 years old. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I better get started. <laughs> 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 okay. So what, what kind of bonsai did you get? So I have a trident maple bonsai, uh-huh. um, and it's pretty cool. But right now, it's actually in the basement of my apartment, because Uh-oh. it doesn't need any lights. It doesn't need any Or light? anything during the winter. It's supposed to winter, and uh, stay that way. Okay. Or I hope so.
2: Uh, <laughs> we'll find out in uh, mid-March. Okay. <laughs> I'm rooting for you. Me too. <laughs> rooting. Anyways, uh, Joel, when you ring in, we'll hear this. Remember, Allison and Jill, whoever has more points after two games will go to our final round. Let's go to your first game. Allison, if you had to write an academic paper right
3: now, what would you write about? Picking the perfect cocktail for any situation.
2: Any situation? Any situation. Okay. I've got one for you. Okay. It's 7 a.m. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You agreed to go to a yoga class at 8. You don't want to go. Mm-hmm. 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 What cocktail?
3: I mean, I think an Irish coffee is the obvious answer. Smart. 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 Smart.
4: <laughs> Joel, if you had to write an academic paper right this minute, what would you write about? I guess something I know more about than other people. Um, so... Good one? <laughs> I guess smoking pot. <laughs>
3: I'm pretty We're good so at that. We're so healthy. <laughs>
2: it's kind of amazing. I mean, I can believe you said that. You're growing a bonsai, for God's
1: sakes.
2: (laughs) This trivia game is called Middle School Book Report. Jonathan and I will read fake book reports written by lazy middle schoolers who only bothered to read the assigned book's title and then just took it away from there. You ring in and identify the book.
1: Before Harry Potter, there was this guy named Chuck Dickens who also wrote long books. (laughs) Believe it or not, Chucky e. D's book is also about a guy who does magic at the MGM Theater in Las Vegas. Joel. David Copperfield? That's right. <laughs> Jane
2: Austen's P&P is a rad two-part book. Part one is about an LGBT parade, and part two is how my mom describes my uncle. <laughs> Allison. Pride and Prejudice. You got that right, yeah.
1: John Steinbeck could have written only about rodents. Or only about dudes. But he made the interesting choice to write this book about both. This is a very good sequel to Stuart Little. Allison.
3: Of Mice and Men.
1: Yeah, that's right.
3: According to
2: Miriam Website... (laughs) The first word in this book's title means to blow with a dull, roaring sound. In the next four paragraphs, I'll discuss why Emily Bronte chose to do these sounds from up high instead of down low. (laughs) They're both thinking. Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's Emily Bronte's only novel.
1: (laughs) Just make a list of all of her novels and look... Right at the top.
2: (laughs) The main character's name is Heathcliff? Oh. Allison. Wuthering
3: Heights? That is correct.
1: This is your last clue. Not a lot of people know this, but Alice Walker's famous book is actually a combination of two earlier books, The Color Red and The Color Blue. Allison. The color purple. You got it.
2: (laughs) Great game. Allison is in the lead. If you were horrified by that last game because you always read the assigned book and it reminded you of all the slackers you were stuck working on a group project with, you should be on our show. Go to amatickets.org. Coming up, we're going to rock about rock. We're going to get stoned. I mean, we're going to be singing about minerals. And if you think we've hit rock bottom, we're not even close. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from
0: NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Xfinity. Everything's changing so fast these days. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikTok's in the kitchen. The next-generation Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Support for NPR and the following message come from Sattva. Satva luxury mattresses are every bit as elegant as the most expensive brands, but because they're sold online, they're about half the price. Visit slash npr and save an additional
2: $200. At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for best picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the energy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from
1: NPR. This As is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now, here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan.
2: Before the break, we met our contestants, Allison and Joel. Soon they'll play a game about rocks. And remember, there are four types of rocks. Igneous, sedimentary, metamorphic, and Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> Let's check in with our contestants. Allison, you were once a Jeopardy clue answer.
3: Yes. How did this happen? Tell us. I was in a cab on my way home one night and I got a text message from someone that I hadn't talked to maybe since high school with just a photo of the TV screen of my name as a Jeopardy clue. It was about a cookbook that I wrote. It was called First Prize Pies. And the clue was Alice in Cave's book of first prize these things I don't remember exactly yeah. the phrasing but it was definitely one of the most amazing things that's yeah, ever did, happened to me did your publisher call you or your <laughs> lit agent I did tell I told my agent and I told my editor and they were both just you know mind blown yeah and yeah.
2: they were like oh we're gonna sell more
3: books I mean you would think but I don't think that that's actually what <laughs> <Right>. happened <laughs> nothing sells more books oh uh, yeah it's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the world we live in Joel, our next game is inspired by the cartoon Schoolhouse Rock. So what's the most interesting thing you've ever learned from a cartoon?
4: Um, What it's like to live in Brooklyn from Hey Arnold.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And you think it's accurate?
4: It prepared me pretty well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's That's awesome. So this music parody combines earth science with 1970s edutainment. Allison, stay in the lead, and you're in the final round. Joel, you need to get more points, or you must ask Conjunction Junction what its function is, and then coach it through its existential
1: crisis. This game is called Literal Schoolhouse Rocks. We rewrote famous songs from the educational cartoon Schoolhouse Rock and made them about actual types of rock. So just ring in and identify the rock I'm singing about. If you get that right, you can earn a bonus point by telling me what the original song was actually about. All right, ring in to answer. Here we go. Well, every teacher you can know, at every pool hall you can go, it helps your grip and dry sweat so you don't fall down. For climbing rocks, it is preferred. Go up to the board and write a word. I find it quite interesting. This rock is used for many things. Allison. Chalk. Chalk is correct. <clears throat> and for a bonus point, can you tell me what the original song was about? I cannot. Hmm. It was about nouns. Oh, what a thrill if you could sculpt me with skill. I'd fill the buildings there on Capitol Hill. Right now I'm stuck in a quarry, so I'll sit here and wait for millions of years to metamorph carbonate. But I'll be a countertop someday. Allison. Granite. I'm sorry. It's not granite. Not what we were looking for, Joel. Do you know the answer? I was gonna go with granite. Uh... Still gonna do that, uh, even uh, though the no, no, no. Give me,
4: give me a second. Um...
1: It's also not granite, but that's a good guess, Joel.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna pass.
1: (laughs) Okay. We were looking for marble. Yeah. And that was uh, I'm just a bill about bills. (laughs) Yay. The mud and clay and minerals that make up me Were settled into layers sedimentary With hydraulic fracking, everybody tried To mine the hydrocarbons I keep trapped inside Just a nice, upbeat song about fracking Yeah uh, It's a sedimentary rock It's the rock you frack Allison Is it shale? Shale, oh, oh yeah, that's right God. I see you pulling that from somewhere deep inside your skull. And I don't know the song. I'm sorry. Well, then you don't get the bonus point. (laughs) That was Interplanet Janet about the solar system. Here's your next one. This carbon lattice is shiny gray. That's its Chromaticity. Chromaticity. It's used in pencils. Lubricates. It's got... Elasticity, elasticity In electronics and batteries Talking about Conductivity, conductivity Joel? Graphite? Yeah, graphite, that's right For a bonus point, can you tell me what the original song was about? I'm going to say friendship? (laughs) Close Close
4: But I've never seen uh, any of them. (laughs) It's
1: about electricity. Uh, So close. (laughs) Uh, This is your last clue. This stone's an igneous thing Formed in a volcanic ring. Used as a shower scrub Lightweight and rough to rub Looks light and foamy With bubbles built in It will slough off Your deadfoot skin (laughs) listen. Uh, pumice. Pumice is the answer. You got it. Uh, any, any guess as to the content of the original song for a bonus point? I mean, it, all the words ended with
3: in, so maybe winning. I don't know. <laughs> winning.
1: A song, winning. Teaching, a song about winning. Teaching kids that how important it is yeah. to win. No. Yeah. Sorry, that is incorrect. <laughs> it was called unpack your adjectives and it was about unpacking about adjectives. Mm -hmm. Ophira, how how did our contestants do?
2: They were amazing. And after two games, Allison is moving on to the final round. (laughs) While Charlie and Allison get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game along with our special guest. Please welcome back Jim Gaffigan. again. Jim, this game is called Wisdom of the Crowd. We asked a previous live audience here at the Bell House to respond to questions with numerical answers. For example, how many kernels are there on an ear of corn? And then we average everyone's guesses. And now I'm going to ask you the same questions, you and Jonathan, and we're going to find out who's closer, you, Jonathan, or the Wisdom of the Crowd.
5: All right, you're going down, Jonathan. (laughs) All right, I'm ready.
2: According to a survey conducted by the research company One poll, what percentage of adults still cuddle with a childhood stuffed toy? Jim?
5: I'm going to say
1: 17%.
2: 17%. Okay, Jonathan, what do you think? That feels high to me. Yeah?
1: Uh, I, you know, once you have a significant other, ideally that's your stuffed toy. <laughs> what is... <laughs> <laughs> Why can't...
5: A stuffed toy be your significant other.
1: It's true. I'm going to say it's a little bit
5: lower, but can it's I,
1: higher than I think. Can I change my answer?
5: <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to go with go twelve percent. All right. All right. I'm going to go with ten. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. So Jim thinks seventeen percent of adults still cuddle with a childhood stuffed toy. Jonathan thinks twelve percent. The audience thinks the answer is twenty-two percent. <laughs>
0: And way they, too high audience. Right? I think.
2: But get this, the actual answer is 43%. What? Yes, you're all reacting that way, but 43% of you wait do it. Wait a minute,
5: wait a minute. I think
2: this is just real.
5: You know what's interesting? It's like, you know, my wife had a brain tumor. Did I bring that up? And our friend gave us this stuffed animal, uh, not animal, stuffed brain. It was like a plush that's plush, shaped like a brain. brain. Yeah. It's cuter than it sounds. I and can that's imagine in our who, bed, and right. I sometimes cuddle it.
1: Well, there you go. Well, wait a minute. Yeah. So you're part of the problem
5: so or solution. You know what? I was I was caught up in my own bias. <laughs> it happens all the time.
2: <laughs> According to the latest data from the original Tooth Fairy poll, how much money does the Tooth Fairy pay American kids per tooth on average? Jim, you know about this. Yeah, I
5: do know about this. I'm going to say that it's a dollar. One dollar per One tooth. All right. What, how much do you give your kids? I don't give them anything. Great. Good. Because they deserve nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Jonathan? I, I will say it depends a lot on if it was the first child or the second child or the third child. Sure. I feel like some, sometimes you're going to give a coin to a kid because when you're a kid, every amount of money seems like a huge yeah, amount of money. That's true. So you can get away with... Uh, Giving them a lot less. Yeah. Uh,
5: when you have uh, children, it's also what bills do your, you, what have you have on in your you?
1: pocket? <laughs> <laughs> do you
5: know what I mean? Like, if, do you have a one on you? Just leave a bank you know what card mean? there. It's there. like one of my kids. I gave him a euro. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like
1: they don't know. Uh, I'm going to say that it's somewhere between. 50 cents and a dollar just to be interesting. I'll say 63 cents.
2: 63 cents, okay. On
1: average. That is interesting. All right, so. (laughs) Really fascinating.
2: Jim thinks the average kid gets a dollar per tooth. Uh, Jonathan thinks uh, the kid gets 63 cents.
1: 63 cents.
2: Our audience thinks the answer is $5.17 five dollars and seventeen cents per tooth. Average five dollars
5: and seventeen. And
2: according so, to so, but that's probably an
5: average. So like, that's there's, an average. That's, that's right. That's like one nut job saying a hundred dollar bill. <laughs> uh,
2: and according to that poll, as of two thousand and seventeen, the average was four dollars and thirteen cents wow. per tooth. What
1: is happening out I there?
2: I know for kids' you know tooth. I understand if you're an adult and you lose a tooth, someone should give you five bucks.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Or give you a, a, an address of a dentist.
2: <laughs> That'd be nice, too. A hookup? Okay, here's your final one. According to CBS News, how many tater tots did Americans consume in total in 2017? Jim, tater tots?
5: Okay, the ironic thing is I kind of know this. <laughs> uh, all right, so what do we got? $330 million.
1: Americans, right? Uh-huh. How many of them eat any tater tots over the course All of a right, year? All right,
5: 329 million. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Most of them, yeah. Tater <laughs> so, tots are delicious. Uh, you know, let's weight it a little higher for the Midwest where I'm from. Uh-huh. Uh I'm going to say 600 million tater tots. <laughs> okay? Okay, so two tots per person. I'm gonna say two tots. Look, there's a lot of people that are not eating tots, but there's a lot of people that are eating a lot more tots. (laughs) You gotta think also schools. There's a lot of tots. True. No. A lot of tots. Jonathan, what do you got? That is such an upsetting
1: (laughs) idea. The idea of six hundred million tater tots in one place is freaking me out. Yeah. And for that reason and that reason alone, I'm gonna take it down in order of magnitude and I'm gonna say sixty. 60 million. 60, 60 million.
5: million, okay. Wow, I guess there's a diet occurring. <laughs> Have you ever been to Idaho, my friend? <laughs>
2: Jim thinks six hundred million. Jonathan thinks sixty million. Our audience thinks six billion two hundred and twenty-two million one hundred and sixty-three thousand five hundred and forty. Is pot
5: legal in Manhattan now?
2: But the actual answer is of how many tater tots did Americans 600. consume in total in two thousand seventeen? Thirty-eight billion. Oh,
5: That's What a beautiful country we live in. It's amazing.
2: (laughs) It's amazing. Technically, I guess you won that one. (laughs) All right, that's Wisdom of the Crowd. Thanks again to Jim Gaffigan. His latest Grammy nominated album is Noble Ape. Thank you so much, Jim Gaffigan and everybody. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Charlie Rubinovitz, an executive assistant whose boss needs to give him more credit. And Allison Cave, who's a baker and a bartender, but she does not do formal pairings. Charlie and Allison, your final round is called Chart Toppers. I'll give you the name of a musical artist and a clue to one of their Billboard number 1 hit songs. You tell me the name of the song. For example, if I said Lord, 2015 World Series champions, you'd answer Royals. Our big winner will receive an Ask Me the Rubik's Cube signed by Jim Gaffigan. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Allison is going first. Here we go. Allison, Camilla Cabello, the capital of Cuba. Uh, oh, my God, Lima? No, that's so terrible. I'm sorry.
3: No, I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah. It's fine.
2: The answer we were looking for was Havana. Charlie, Fergie, a structure that spans the Thames River.
0: London Bridge.
2: That is correct. Allison, Jay Sean featuring Lil Wayne, A Layer of Fine Feathers. Down? That is correct. Charlie, Lil Wayne featuring a Static Major, Candy Made by Dum Dums and Chupa Chups. Lollipop. That is correct. Jonathan, what's the score?
1: Well, so far the score is 2 to 1 and Charlie's in the lead.
2: Allison. D4L. Chewy candy brand that comes in flavors like green apple, banana, and cherry. Hi, chu I'm sorry, that is incorrect. We were looking for Laffy Taffy. Charlie. Designer. Bear with a diet of 99% bamboo. Panda. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> Allison. Owl City. Insects in the Lampyridae family. Butterfly. Sorry, that is incorrect. We're looking for Fireflies. Charlie, Post Malone featuring 21 Savage. Video game company known for making Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption.
4: I don't know.
2: (laughs) We're looking for Rockstar. We're at the halfway point of our questions, Jonathan.
1: Charlie's in the lead, three to one.
2: Allison, Childish Gambino. 1942 book of patriotic photographs co authored by Eleanor Roosevelt. Redbone? Sorry, that is incorrect. We're looking for This is America. Yeah, that would make way more sense. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie, The Weeknd. MTV reality show that starred Lauren Conrad and Kristen Cavallari. Can't feel my face. It's one of my favorites. Um, the hills. We were looking for the hills. Allison. Sean Paul. Physical quantity that can be measured on the Kelvin scale. Temperature? That is correct. Charlie. Rihanna featuring Drake. Physics concept measured in jewels. Work.
1: It's correct. <laughs> We're near the end of our questions. What's the score, Jonathan? Well, the score is now 4-2 to two with Charlie in the lead. Allison, if you get this question wrong, Charlie will win the game. Allison, Bruno Mars,
2: a weapon that comes in baseball and pineapple types. Grenade? That is correct.
1: <gasps> so it's now 4-3. to three. Charlie, if you get this question right, you will win.
2: Charlie, Katy Perry featuring Kanye West. Steven Spielberg movie about a boy named Elliot. E.T. That is correct. Congratulations, Charlie. And that's our show. Ask Me Others' house musician is Jonathan Coulton.
1: Hey, my name anagrams to Vow to Canon.
2: Our puzzles were written by Juan Escalante, Madeline Kaplan, Glenn McDonald, and senior writer Eric Feinstein, along with additional material by Kara Weinberger and Emily Winter. Our senior supervising producer is Rachel Neal. Ask Me Others produced by Mike Katzips, Travis Larchuk, Kiara Powell, Nancy Seichow, Ramel Wood, and our intern Sean Gold, along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We're recorded by Damon Whittemore, Rick Kwan, and Dave. David Hurtgen. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, the Bell House. Hot Heel Blues and our production partner WNYC. I'm Her Right Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. <laughs> Come meet us at the Bell House on Thursday, July 18th, for a live taping of Ask Me Another. We'll be joined by actor Topher Grace from that 70s show and the latest season of Black Mirror. Plus, from Comedy Central's Broad City and Alternatino with Arturo Castro, actor Arturo Castro. For tickets and more information, visit amatickets.org. This is NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, get those culture caps out because we're joined by the hosts of the Las Culturisas podcast. SNL writer and comedian Bowen Yang and actor and comedian Matt Rogers play a nerdy game with us based off of their own show. Plus, guest musician Julian Villard is back. So join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Ask Me Another, the answer to life's
0: funnier questions. This message comes from NPR sponsor Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon-intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's Energy in Progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand.
1: It's an election year and a long one at that. So you're going to hear a lot of spin from the campaigns and their surrogates. Well, Here and Now Anytime is your source this election season for coverage that means something. Explore the issues, hear from voters, and find solutions on Here and Now Anytime, a podcast from NPR and WBUR.